Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in everybody. Episode 87, One Man's Opinion, coming at you for 60 plus minutes uh, of nonstop goodness, unfiltered, uncensored, uh, unrelenting fantasy sports pop culture sports everything just i'm just throwing it out the wall not all fantasy sports on this con as far as content's concerned on this episode by the way if you're just stumbling in this is one man's opinion i am jeff manns you could find my work i'm a part owner and operator over at elite sports network you find me at fantasyguru.com that's a seasonal fantasy sports site football baseball all of the great seasonal content, week six rankings available to you there, buy low, sell high, projections and trading and waivers and all that good stuff. EliteFantasy.com for all your daily fantasy sports needs. NHL season underway now, NBA season starting up in a week or so, at least officially the regular season. We've got NFL going on. We have had five straight profitable weeks. People get mad when I say that. It's just the facts. I hate to tell you. But that's what it is. Profits uh, in five weeks in a row. I haven't had a stinker yet. Um, last week, we uh, get into it a little bit. Marginal, but still over the pay line. That's what matters, at least in our cash games. And uh, EliteFantasy.com. Just lowered the prices over there, as a matter of fact. And our, if you are an Elite Fantasy subscriber or a Fantasy Guru subscriber, maybe EliteSportsBetting.com, all your legalized sports betting needs over there. If you want to become VIP, if you're in for just football right now, it's a very nominal upgrade to get everything. It's a VIP. You get PGA, MMA, esports, soccer. You've you know NHL, NBA. You've got uh, NASCAR and um, every other sport you could possibly contemplate. Uh, we got it for you. Multiple lineup optimizers as well. So get over there, check it out, both on the betting site and. Elite Fantasy for Daily Fantasy. Follow me, Jeff Mans, on social media at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. It's going to be a doozy of a show today, folks. Maybe the last show ever. We don't know because I'm going to talk about the, the tough topics. It's I've had enough, I guess. Um, I've just got to that point, you know, where I got to talk about reality and, and life and things. I will do starts and sits for week six of fantasy football. I will do my bet of the week survivor pick upset of the week as well. We'll get into, uh, I didn't ask man's anything on my Twitter feed at Jeff underscore man's. I will go through all your questions. So this may be a long episode here today. We shall see. I'm going to try to get to as much as I can. So, but there's a lot to discuss. This show isn't just fantasy sports. I know a lot of you hear me on Sirius XM radio and you you kind of want that show here. Um, not, you know, there's a lot of things. This show is an outlet for me. I can't, you know, it's not, it's not that I can't, I shouldn't. It's not the right forum on Sirius XM or anywhere else or other places where I broadcast to bring you my thoughts. I'm going to talk about the John Gruden situation. That's what I'm getting to. I'm going to talk about it a little bit here today. It, it's not just John Gruden personally. And again, if you have kids and kids are in the car or near you or you're playing on a loudspeaker or through Alexa or anything else, uh, put the headphones in because I'm going to curse. 
I'm going to curse a lot, especially on this episode. So I don't give a shit about John Gruden. Like I, I, gen, I can't tell you I don't care, but I do care about the direction society, all of us are kind of heading. And uh, I'll, I'll get into that here in a second. But, you know, I'm going to talk about that. And I'm going to talk about from my experience as well. So, again, I'm sure this is one of those episodes that I shouldn't do. I'm in that frame of mind right now where I, I probably shouldn't be and shouldn't say these things, you know, but I think I've made it, it, it to a point in my career where it's, you know, fuck it. You know, I, I can't just be, I was not born to be a wallflower, not born to not state my mind or opinion. And it's kind of what got me to this place um, wherever that is um, in, in life. And, you know, it's we live in an era where everybody tells me every day to shut my mouth, stop talking, stop tweeting. Don't, don't fight with people. Don't tell people. And I fucking hate it. And I'm honestly, I've talked about um, older podcasts. If you are new to the podcast, welcome in, but I've talked about my, my, my bouts personally and it within my family. My mom suffered from depression. I went through a bout of that myself. Uh, for years, I didn't realize, you know, undiagnosed, I didn't know I was depressed. I didn't, I didn't get it. Right. And it, it comes out in different ways. I wasn't like sulking around those who knew me, Ted and, you know, my buddies growing up and everything back in the early 2000s, like they didn't know it. I had just sold a company. Uh, I was pretty well off. I had a great government job with endless amounts of um, rope. I, I would never have been fired or let go. I, could, I, I would have been retired by now on a full government pension had I not moved to fantasy sports. People don't realize that, but you know, that's the truth. And um, you know, so, but I wasn't happy. And cause I, I am not happy not being who I am. And I want to talk about that a little bit here because I, I'm sure some of you probably deal with this on everyday basis. And maybe you're in that place in your life, or maybe you're not, maybe fuck it. Maybe you guys are, you got it all figured out, in which case fast forward till I start talking fantasy football. I don't know. I, I wanted to say though, I'm not a finished product. I, I think that the one thing I've gone through therapy before, you know, years and years ago. Um, and I think that, for ther for some people, therapy works for some others. It doesn't. And whatever the case, the key is to get out of the rut, to find out what you're about, who you are and all that. And the most important thing I want to talk about today is that I'm not a finished product. Meaning this, the version of me that you're listening to today, I hope to God, this is not the version that you hear a year from now or two years from now, or five years, 10 years from now. I don't want that, even a week from now. Uh, this isn't the finished product. And I'm older, I'm set in my ways, sure. But everything isn't just done. And that, I think, when, for me, it was a breakthrough moment in my life when I realized, you're not this guy. You don't have to be like this. And I was what I felt before, what I went through personally was a robot. I felt like I was just a robot. Dude, time to make the donuts. Who remembers that guy from the 80s and 90s? Time to make the donuts. The donut guy. I made the donuts. That's what I felt like. I was just doing the same thing. The same who. I was not being who I was on the inside. I wasn't saying the things, doing the thing. I wasn't living that life. You know, and that was a really tough 
time. And I, I know there's a lot of you out there like that as well. Now, please understand, I'm not telling you to go and start fucking hauling off on all your religious, political, and beliefs on social media. No, 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 no. In fact, social media is the problem. Social media is why everybody gets into trouble, or in John Gruden's case, emails. But you know, it doesn't, you don't have to. Don't worry about it, folks. Don't worry about telling people who you are. It doesn't matter. Nobody gives a fuck. Honestly, is all the people you think give a fuck? They don't give a fuck. You think all the people that you you know like your tweet? They don't give a fuck. They don't care about you. You could be burning in a fucking dumpster and they wouldn't pour. They could have a bucket of water and wouldn't even throw it on you because they don't care. This world is selfish. Everybody's out for themselves and that's just how it's going to be. You need to accept that. So you, you're not going to change anybody's mind. You're not going to change who they are. All right. You know, it's just not something that's going to happen. Not until, at the very least, you can't help anybody until you figure out who the fuck you are. And that, that was my lot in life for years and years and years. And I don't know if this will help anybody. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But I'm reaching out because I'm sick and tired of not being able to say anything and not being able. You know, John Gruden's email, I have no idea. I did not read them. At first, I didn't read them. And I thought, who gives a shit, right? Who cares? What difference does it make? Oh, what did he say? And they're like, oh, there's a racist thing. Like, well, what, you know, what racist thing? Then I read them and it's like, okay, this is bad. This is bad shit. It was real bad and, you know, awful. And then he, he, he went, he was homophobic and sexist. And it's like, God, what a fucking idiot. And, you know, good. You know, thought my thought was good that he got fired or, or, you know, whatever mutually parted ways and good that people were calling him out for his, his ship. Um, but I, I, there is the elephant in the room here is that what happened, those emails were from 10, 11 years ago. And is that still, you know, is that what we want to be? Are, are we all on the line for what we thought did and said, years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, you know, and, and if that's the truth, is that what we want? All of us, myself, all of you, anybody going at John Gruden or, or anybody, not just Gruden. Not, it's not about Gruden. Gruden's like the poster child for what I'm trying to say here. But um, is that what we want? And I don't know who or what John Gruden is right now. And what, is you know, but what he was 10, 11 years ago through those emails seemed pretty obvious. Um, but I watch, you know, I, I'm watching an older show um, right now on television uh, or streaming service like on Amazon or some shit. It's called According to Jim, and it, you know, it's a shitty show, right? It's it's a pretty shitty show, but it's set in Chicago, and you know, just a, a late night thing that I put on because there's nothing on late night television anymore, and you watch. But there's a lot of homophobia in that show. And it's like downright shocking. And you, you know what? Wife and I are watching like, okay, this is getting like uncomfortable because it's so profound. And you realize like this is what the world was 20 years ago because the episodes we were watching was like 2001, 2002, somewhere around there. It, it was, this was just regular. This was broadcast national television. Prime time, got a lot of ratings. People liked the show. I didn't never watch it live myself, but. Um, it's a weird thing to realize that's the way the world was. 
And it's safe to say it's not the way the world is, that none of that shit would fly nowadays. And I'm surprised they actually have it on the streaming service. And someday, because this is the, the culture we're in, is one day somebody's going to see an episode and they're going to post it on social media. It's going to go viral and they're going to be like, we got to take it off of, take it off of the streaming services and all that. And, and that's my question. Is that what we want is, I mean, and it's a tough road because I don't think that ignoring your problems or ignoring your past is healthy. Right. I just don't think that's a healthy way to do it. It's not for me. It's not for in my personal life and um, my private life and in my analysis of sports and things I learn from. I learn every day. I learned this past week. I learned that the Jaguars hate LaVisca Chenault. I, you know, I, I learned that um, Trevor Lawrence is regressing and Urban Meyer sucks. And I learned that the Raiders were cheap shotting Justin Fields. I tried to fucking choke him. I learned that the Kansas city chiefs are defensively is one of the worst defenses in football. You know, we learn and we're, we learn, we adjust and we move on that. I, to me, that's healthy. And I, I think that, so I come from a background, grew up in the South side of Chicago and you know, moved to the suburbs. I, I have a unique perception, I think, or perspective, a uh, lot of older brothers and sisters. My brothers and sisters grew up in the, like the 50s, 60s. Either my brother's 19 years older than I am. Long time. There's a generational difference. And um, it, it was a different world. It, it was the, where we grew up wasn't racist. All right. I grew up initially when I was young, very young now. I moved out to the burbs by the time I got like in high school and stuff. But I was a it was a, a lot of minority people and you know, being white was very different for the South side when my brothers and sisters were growing up. And when I was very young, it just was not, but it, we were not against each other racially, believe it or not. I, I don't, maybe I got lucky because the way I tell even some of my folks and guys I still talk to growing up, they think they had a different, I never felt like it was black versus white or the, the we Puerto Rican and, and um, uh, some low-class Irish, which is what we were, you know, that was never the problem. It was for us, it was rich versus poor. We didn't do black, black versus white. We didn't give a fuck. We didn't give a single fuck. We cared about rich versus poor. We hated the fucking rich people, the Northsiders. Man, I can hate them. These fucking silver spoon motherfuckers. Like, that's what we cared about. That was the thing, right? That we wanted to get out. We wanted to graduate. We wanted to move on. We wanted to break the fuck out. And like, and every time somebody did, we were happy for them. It wasn't about the racists, the race of people. It was the, the class, if you will, of people. And, you know, that was my perspective or whatever. Um, growing up, at least that's the way I always felt. And I just am very curious on the people that constantly put us, to, us against each other. You know, who are the people that are saying we're so racially divided all the time? I feel like it's a lot of media people and it's very specific instances that happens. Is there racism? Absolutely. Yeah, but it absolutely works all ways, I'm sure. Right. And, and there's everybody's skeptical. But realistically, what we have to acknowledge is the fact that we've come a long way. It's a lot better now. 
than it used to be. Is it perfect? No fucking way. Not even close. Is there horrific acts and things that happen? Yes. But I, I'm sick of being told that all of us are such bad people all the time. Meaning, you know, uh, all of us living on earth today, we're so bad and we are against each other. It's, I feel like social media sites and news outlets and political leaders force us to be against each other. Whereas I don't think we would be against each other. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't feel that way. And anyway, my whole point of this is that I, Jeff Manns, am not a finished product and I, I want to grow and I don't want my beliefs and thoughts. And if you would ask me this, nobody asked me a question, but if I were to talk about this 20, 30 years ago, I would have had a completely different perspective. I told the story on the air and I've told on this pod on Sirius XN this week. And I told on the podcast before, um, I used to be, you know, again, growing up poor and the whole thing, I was competitive, super competitive. I still am super competitive. And it used to be, I used to have a perspective of, I wanted other people to fail and I wanted fucking, I would, I would want to take from other people. I dreamt of stealing cars and I used to steal chromies off of cars. I used to, I used to dream of shit like that, like stealing from people. Um, I was always too shit and shit to do it. Uh, luckily for me, but I dreamt of it. I thought about it and what a terrible way to live. Thinking you just get something for nothing. Just, I'll just take from somebody else because that's not going to solve your problems. Your problems will be solved when you work for it. And when you earn it, that's when you're going to be finally be happy with yourself. And that's when that's going to make a better version of you. And that needs to be the goal we're all working towards. Get better every day and change the way we think, change the way we act. When somebody tells you, you you're acting like an asshole or your thoughts or beliefs are bad, you can say, what? What do you mean? Everybody, and, and then say, no, man. Like that's, that's the thing with racism and sexism and all this. Like, dude, talk to people, help them. And again, I, when you start talking about what Harvey Weinstein did r kelly did like that's fucking horrific crimes always prosecute i don't care how long it's been murder rape any any of this harassment like that bullying fuck persecute prosecute absolutely but now we're starting to talk about words we're starting to talk about emails and tweets and facebook or whatever we're, we're starting to talk about all these things and I want everybody to be careful because the world was different 20 years, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And if somebody, I would hope if somebody wrote a racist email 10 years ago, okay. I would hope that by today, everything that we've all gone through in the last 10 years, uh, all of us who've shared this giant orb of uh, the world. And, and you know, um, it, it, I would hope that we've learned a lot and evolved human race is evolving why aren't we individually we should be our thoughts our beliefs we're realizing oh shit yeah that's that's not the right way to think that's not the right way you know because don't forget we we're born into the world we don't know a fucking thing you know where we get everything we get it from our fucking parents does anybody understand this our parents are the ones that put us on this bullshit whether it's racism or sexism or uh, um, um, fucking political or any of the shit, 
are fucking sports teams. Think of how, how did you become a Yankee fan? How do you become a Patriot fan or fucking Vancouver Canucks? I don't, whatever it is, you got it from your parents. And if it's not your parents, your immediate relatives or your surroundings, your neighborhood, your environment, that's where you were creative. You're a, we're all experiments in a lab and the labs are our surroundings. But eventually you get old enough and you're, you evolve, you become a grown up. start getting, you know, things grow, you get hair in places that are strange and unusual. And you start thinking, all right, what the fuck? I don't really, you know, I, I remember, man, I used to, uh, I, I would fight politically with people in my neighborhood based on my parents' beliefs. And then I, I became like, I don't know, 16, 17 years old, somewhere around there. And I realized my parents were dumb as fuck. Like, I don't think my dad graduated high school. My mom did graduate high school, never went to college. But like, and it's not just that, they just weren't smart and weren't wise to the world. They had kids when they were fucking 18, 19 years old and they worked regular jobs at grocery store and bus driver. And that's what they did. And they raised a family and they lived in a bubble and they had very archaic beliefs and thoughts and all that. I'm fortunate, I suppose, that my parents weren't racist people, didn't have those thoughts, but there was definitely time to lock the door you know, lock the door and uh, uh, people in the neighborhood, black guys were coming around. I, that's a form of racism that I didn't understand, you know, and was it racism? Well, probably, maybe, or were they just scared based on what we don't, I, I don't know, but you know, um, when they felt threatened by anybody, shut the car door, locked the door, you know, my mom was the king, queen of that, but I got to an age where I'm like, that's, I, I don't believe in, you know, I don't, I don't share these beliefs. My parents were stupid. God bless them. They were good, well-meaning people. And I've talked about both my mom and my dad before, um, but they're not me. And they don't, their words and actions or whatever they may have done, just like all of you. And it works in the positive too. If you're the son of a billionaire, you're not a billionaire. You didn't do fuck all to get your money. You inherited it. Big fucking deal. You fucking loser. You didn't do shit sitting back. You don't know. Goddamn thing. You're probably dumb as fuck, right? You didn't work a day in your life. So that's not impressive. Wow. You're born into it. But if you're born into poverty and racism and sexism and shit like that, you shouldn't be liable for that. You should be liable for what you do and who you are today. You know, that's what we need to put people on to. We need to prosecute them for that. Who are you? What do you stand for today? I don't know what John Gruden is. I don't know what the fuck. You know what I mean? I don't know. But I know that going through people's emails from 10, 11 years ago, it ain't it. That ain't it. And you're not proving anything by taking his job away or his spot away. or anything. It's just you're not proving anything. And he won't be the last. Now they're going after like Adam Schefter and all this stuff. It's, it's, it's a never ending slope. And I don't know if, if they still stand for the words that they used 10, 20 years ago, then fucking fullest extent of the law, fire them, cancel them, whatever you got to do. But why aren't we giving people the opportunity to improve and to change and to be better? And I, if you're telling me, somebody that said some awful things, maybe used a racial slur or something else 10 years ago, right? And um, now through the last 10 years, 
they transformed, they've grown up, whatever it may be. And now they believe in equality and fight for it. And, and have, maybe they've had a couple kids and are raising those kids in an environment of equality and diversity and, and respect. You still want to take away what they have because of that? If you do that, you're taking away somebody who's putting good out into the world. Why are we doing this? It's just not a good idea. And again, that ain't about Gruden. That's just about all of us, every one of us. And I know that I will do and say and probably feel some ways right now as I'm saying this, that I won't feel, think, say, and believe a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. It's like the Twitter thing. I can't, I did a whole episode on that didn't age well. Fuck you. Didn't age well. I don't want, it's not supposed to. These are moments in time. We are saying things and doing things based on now. You know, I, I don't want, again, and that, that's beyond race and sexism and all that shit. But you know what I mean? Like, I, again, like I get made fun of for the frosted tip thing. I love it because like I bet everybody my age, when they're mid 20s, late 20s, they had, they colored their hair. They did something fucking. I have a profile picture from when I was 28 years old. All right. I mean, they're talking 16 years ago. Um, oh no, I was 20. Yes. Yeah, 28. That profile with the headphones and everything. That was like when I first was broadcasting and that's what everybody still thinks. That's I, and you know what? I play it. I don't let it go. I fucking, I own it. Everybody else wants to pretend they didn't do it. Fine. You guys could do whatever you want. I want to know that what I did, I want to know that I've grown up from there, changed the hairstyle, not coloring my hair anymore. You know what I mean? I'm proud of who I was. Even if that person dress stupid and look stupid. And even if I acted stupid, okay. There's many things I'm not proud of. I shouldn't say proud of everything, but I, it's, I, I want to be proud of who I am now and who I'm going to be tomorrow and the next day. When the fuck did we get away from that? That's what I'm asking. All right. All right. Very good. I, I feel better now getting some of this off my chest because, um, you know, that is just something that has been bothering me to no end. And uh, I can't speak about it. can't tweet about it. And this show is to base that on. And I, I hope everybody gets better. And I hope all of you do it as well. Cause I know a lot of you are going through shit, right? You don't feel right. You know, you're, you're not happy in your life and maybe it, it affects everything. Uh, for me, I was a shitty husband, father, brother, son. You know, when my mom was still alive, there's a lot of time I, I spent mad at her for, all kinds of shit. And it just, it's so worthless and so petty. It was such a bad way, but that's who I was back then. And I hope that you guys, and I want you to know, hit me up, man. You're going through it. It's a judge free zone. I've gone through a lot of weird shit and terrible shit and, you know, been there. And I, I, if I could help any one of you just to get out of that doldrums, find something that you're excited about, find you, you know, help you out. I'm here for you. Because you deserve better, every single one of you. The ones who hate me, the ones who like me. There's a certain sector of you, I'm sure, that are when I post this podcast and you see I'm commenting on John Gruden. I have people right now that are listening only to record me saying something and use it and try to blast me. I, I know this is how it goes. I know that's the world it is. And I'm sure something will happen eventually to me because I am so outspoken. But I have nothing to hide and I have nothing to be ashamed of. 
I want to be better and everything I do have to be ashamed of and everything I will work on and I'll wrench on it and I'll be better at. And that's a, the way with fantasy sports analysis. You know, we had a very up and down week at elitefantasy.com over this past week. And, you know, the LaVisca Chenault play didn't work out. Kyler Murray sucked. He got hurt, but he sucked. Uh, only put up 13 points. And we were right on the fucking edge. Like we were about to lose 100%. And then we had a Hopkins to Murray touchdown, Murray to Hopkins touchdown, and we were 100% in. And then fucking couple kneel downs, and next thing you know, we lose like 35% of our winnings because of fucking kneel downs. Oh, so what do we have to do? Do we bitch? Do we say that's it? That's over. The whole thing's over. Everything we know is wrong. No, just get back up. Keep moving. What do we learn? What do we figure out? What? do we do to get better tomorrow next week the week after the day after the year after the season after keep going everybody all right i asked uh i'll get into um uh, some stuff here as well i got starts and sits for the week bet of the week all the betting stuff as well but i posted a note at jeff underscore mans on twitter and asked you to ask me anything, a little ask me anything since they took the second hour of my show away from me. For those asking about that, no, that's not coming back this season. They'll give me it back right after the football season because God forbid anybody do that. And it's like, you know, it's fine. It is what it is. Like I said, there's nothing I can do to control it. I put on quality broadcast and uh, you guys support my work and I appreciate every last one of you for doing it. And, you know, they'll, they'll eventually... And things will come around short-term losses, just turn them into long-time gains. That's what you do. That's the right way to do it. I think, but I want to go through and ask all answer all your questions here. Uh, I'm just going to go straight down the fucking thing. Um, Cody Martin asks, I'm Owen five. Is it dump? He means dumb. Uh, I think I still have a chance. No, no, you're Owen five. You're okay. You got to be the best team at the end. This being the best right now doesn't mean fuck all it doesn't matter um do i still have a chance logan thomas david montgomery and ir his team joe burrow deandre hopkins Cortland sutton austin eckler jesus damian williams johnny smith you gotta upgrade that tight end brah you gotta upgrade that go get yourself uh schultz uh knox uh um right now ricky seals jones for the next couple weeks um somebody in there johnny smith ain't it and then Al Robinson has his flex. He does have Corey Davis, who I would start Davis over Robinson at this point. Matt Ryan, the backup quarterback, no problem. Robbie Anderson on the bench. Mike Davis on the bench. Um, yeah, I, I mean, this is a good team. This looks like a lot of my teams. Hopkins and Eckler are studs. Sutton's turning into a stud. Burrow's turning into a stud. Uh, Damian Williams a great fill-in for right now. I think Corey Davis is just nothing but upwards. The more the Jets are down, more of a target share he gets solid team yeah you're gonna be in good shape just gotta rent you know little things like showing instead of a four point per week from johnny smith you get look for a junk touchdown if you can plug in like i said ricky seals jones on waivers right now um evan ingram if he was available you know i think that window may have passed you improve that to a 10 point per week you're six points where it's just that helps you get those wins when you're cl- those close game wins are the defining moments of your season. So yes, you're, you're good. Um, I understand your process for cash games, but how do you utilize 
How do you utilize your article when it comes to constructing your single entry GPP? Oh, great question. Plankton asks uh, for daily fantasy football. I will put my cash game lineup into single entry GPPs. So Ted and I have developed a, a, a method this year because now DFS is legal for me and I could enter my own GPPs. What we do is we use cash games at the 50, 100, and $500 level. For And then I build a GPP lineup for the, um, what's this, like a 150, a 222, an 888, and a 1650. Uh, content for GPP. And I, I do a special lineup for those, those um, dollar amount, entry level amount, all single entry GPPs, because that's what we mostly play. Um, my process for GPP lineup is kind of, uh, I will compliment, like whatever my cash game lineup is, I, I whittle it down to how is this cash game lineup going to get fucked? What's going to be wrong if the cash game lineup fails? It will fail because of what? Like last week, I knew it was Derrick Henry. So I used Derrick Henry in my GPP lineup. You know what I mean? Because that was the direct question. And I paid down in cash games for running backs. So I paid up and did a, a slightly different build in GPP. So that's how I personally go about it. And, um, you know, but to use the article, I, I have a GPP play at every position. What has to happen is I, I'm... I don't really consult much ownership when writing the article, but when it comes to the core four and then ultimately building my lineup, I do want to be slightly different or, uh, you know, where do we gain an edge? I don't mind playing a shitty player or a player. I don't believe in if he's super high owned, if I'm ultra secure in one, you know, in in another player that people are just not uncovering. So like last week, for instance, Najee Harris, I knew I had the field. I knew I fucking had it. I had him. 10% ownership is what he came in at. I knew it. I actually thought it might be less. So I knew that Najee Harris was going to get me close to Derrick Henry, especially for a $3,000 price difference, $3,100. Crazy. So, and then Najee Harris, of course, gets hurt, misses the whole fourth quarter. That didn't help. And then Henry scored a third touchdown, whoopsie daisies. Um, but still got me with it. I knew that one. So I was willing to drift and, and use some players at ultra high ownership, knowing I had that advantage. And even if Henry outscored me, I had 3000 extra dollars to pay up for Devonte Adams, Deandre Hopkins, Darren Waller. Like I knew I had that. So, um, that's the difference in that one. Um, since you already have a negative comment, I will say great call on Eckler and the Chargers this year. You don't get enough credit. Oh, thank you. Look at that. Fucking hey, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you, Justin. Appreciate that. Uh, John Newton, is Elite Fantasy worth the sub for data and informational purposes, even if you live in a state that does not allow DFS to play? Great question. Um, no, it, it probably isn't. You know what I mean? Like, um, that's something, you know, we probably should do better. It's a great question because we probably, we have a site, elitesportsdata.com that we've been just throwing in with all the subscriptions. Everybody's getting, um, 
we're going to start charging for that here soon during the football season. But, you know, like my data tables in the cash game breakdown, my uh, offense line, defense line, my coverage information like that, that shit is very big and very important. I think it's, it, it could really help people in seasonal and daily and betting and all of it. But unfortunately it is only on elite fantasy right now. And we, we probably need to get it out to, to the rest, but you know, if, if, what is it? $149 for the rest of the year right now. It, you know, it depends. Yeah, no, I, I lean no. Cause I think of every single one of you is just like, like uh, Oliver twist. Like, can I have more please? Uh, you know, if you're independent, wealthy and you know, 150 bucks is a drop in the bucket to you. Um, it's worth the advantage. Sure. But from regular working class folk and, you know, just, you know, we're making 60 to 80,000 a year and, you know, you're not gonna. You don't have money to blow 150 dollars on something that is a help, but not going to. You know, you can't implement it directly in the daily. I I lean no on that, John. So, and obviously, I would love to sell you on a subscription and all that, but I'm I do not. I will not ever sell somebody on something I can't deliver, and it just comes down to that. So, great question. Appreciate that very much um august eleven twenty four asks would enjoy to listen to aff- reaffirmation to what was preached throughout the summer sticking with the players we had conviction on waiting out now to banding the ship even though even halfway through the season yeah um you know belief in what you do in in the modern age is looked at as arrogance and people accuse me of that all the time I really mean it. And like I said, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm a finished product as I talked about. So I feel like arrogance would be thinking, oh, I'm just perfect now. And I, this is who I am and I'm never going to change. To me, that's that. Confidence is different. I work very hard at this job and I work very hard in analyzing football and breaking everything down from an analytical side, a data side, a, a video, a film side. Uh, you know, experience, everything. I do good work and I work hard at it. Uh, I've said this before. <laughs> every one of you, every person listening to me is super fucking talented. We all, it may be different. Some of you are just great looking. Maybe you're you got huge muscles and great at working out. Maybe you're great at writing or maybe you're great at fixing things or whatever, you know, whatever it is. This is my thing. This is what I'm good at. I know I'm good at it. Um, so to answer the question, I'm not, no, I won't give up. I don't, I don't believe Alan Robinson is this bad. I don't believe it. It's, they have to, nothing has happened. That means he's behind it. He's still a lead receiver on the bears right now. That position just doesn't mean squat because they've slowed games down to an absolute halt right now. So, you know, uh, having conviction, it, it's a case-by-case basis. There are some players that, you know, just totally done. Like Henry Ruggs, I, even going to last week, I thought Ruggs was going to ball out. But now we've seen what happened with the Raiders, and it's a disaster, right? It's just a disaster. You don't want anybody. Anybody at the Raiders is done. It's over. It's, you know, Waller will be okay, I'm sure. But, man, it's just fucking – you don't want to be invested in that. So, um, 
you know, players like that, like Allen Robinson's my biggest miss right now. Um, Robbie Anderson, another one. Um, Robbie Anderson is a little different. And it's interesting because what I didn't anticipate is I, I gave too much credit to Sam Darnold or Matt rule, Joe Brady, the offense coordinator, head coach of the uh, Carolina Panthers, that they were going to be able to fix Sam Darnold and make him read the defense and, you know, and throw to the open player, not throw to his first read. He can't do it. He can't do this thing. He's fixated on one guy. And in this offense, DJ Moore's the first read. Sam Darnold won't go off of his first read. He won't do it. He just won't fucking do it. So in that spirit, Robbie Anderson gets nothing because he's not the first read. Now he was the first read in, in New York. And that's the difference in the offenses. And that's the difference with systems and why it matters. And um, I thought they would be able to do better. And I also foolishly was wrong with, I thought Robbie Anderson would maybe be the, because he, he last year, Anderson played a different role. He wasn't the deep. In fact, he was the underneath guy constantly. That's why he got a lot of targets from Teddy Bridgewater, but you know, it's wrong. And so I'm much higher on Robinson. I'm willing to, I'm willing to go to the end of the earth on Robinson. I'm not willing to do it on Robbie Anderson. I'm out on it at this point. So, you know, it's a case by case basis, but you know, you, you fact check, you go back and say, okay, what did I believe before the season? What do I believe now? Look at, look at this. All comes back to evolving as a human. Am I still right? Will this team get better? Will they get worse? You know, it, are things going the, you know, within the range of possibilities for player X and Y I'm trying to think I'm actually killing time. While I try to think of other guys I'm wrong about, um, like there's guys like Sony Michelle, I thought would take over for Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson has been knocked out of three of five games, folks, three of five injuries. I've written him up three times of five games. He is always going to be hurt. So I'm yeah, it's what I thought before the year. I'm still on Sonny Michelle. He's done very good when he's been in there. So yeah, I'm still on a guy like that. I'm not starting him this week or you know, any time until Daryl Henderson's officially out for a week, but I'm still in on him. I'm not going to waver from that. Um, trying to think of other, I'm sure you guys are screaming some players that I was wrong about, but anyway, that I think that answers the question because I do have a lot of questions to get to uh, right here. Uh, another question here. Let's go. Pens eight says GPPs, Ricky and siege have given terrible advice. Oh, come on. All season. Oh, come on. That's not true. I understand GPP is volatile. It is, but losing Healy really hurts elite GPP. He has been on fire at his new place. So is Tommy G any advice to your customers at elite who only do GPP? Um, well, a couple of things. I mean, Ricky siege have been great. They're great analysts. They're great at GPP and they're very confident in their convictions as well. So uh, I think with, and by the way, GPP is guaranteed prize pool. What he means is tournaments and he means daily fantasy football for those listening, trying to figure it out. Um, what he's talking about there is GPP in, in a tournament. You're going to be, you're going to lose so much more than you're going to win because what you're going for is a big win. And see, this is the problem I have with DFS players. And because a lot of folks think, 
that they're GPP players because we want to win a lot of money. And that's where a lot, you know, the bigger win, it's the million dollar, hundred thousand dollars, all that 20,000. They're all the big pools are in there, but only one people win. Only one person really pays so the payouts. in most of these contests are very, they're obviously very top heavy. So if you're on a budget GPP players, and uh, let's go pens. You say uh, any advice to your customers who only do GPP? Yeah, keep going. What did did you think? I mean, it's not going to matter if you win in week one, week four, week six, or week 14, 17, or 18. That's the life of a GPP player. A real GPP player doesn't worry about that. They, they get their process. They trust their guys. They trust their people. And they let it happen knowing it'll happen. The thing I'll say about Ricky and Siege, um, the track record is a decade plus on them. Like they've been around a long time. Ricky and Siege have worked from obscurity into, for my money, some of the best GPP analysts in the world. You know what I'm saying? And thus the results are going to happen, but they don't happen in the exact time you want. Everybody would love, fuck man. Last year I hit a GPP. When was the Joe Mixon week? It was a week three, four, five, somewhere around there. And you know, one $27,000. And that was it. I'm like, I'm up money for the year, baby. It's over fucking profitable. Knew it right. No done. And it's, I know what an unbelievably great feeling that is. However, I've also my best year ever, um, at fantasy was the 2015 season in baseball and football and specifically or 2016, 2015 was my best year, but in 2016, I won a live final and I had actually lost money going in like for the year I was down on the season, but I had that live final ticket to fantasy feud. And then I won the live final for $250,000. And I was like, well, all right. Suddenly the $6,000 of loss doesn't mean a fucking thing. It's my best year, you know, best year ever. <laughs> Just like that. That's the life of a GPP P player. So my advice is let's go pens, maybe reevaluate your, uh, yourself and what, if you can't stomach losses for a period of time, then you're going to convert to cash. Come on over. Cash game breakdowns up there. We don't lose. We haven't lost yet in cash. I know some people are going to say, yeah, I've lost. Okay, that's true. We can't all win either. That's another thing. And um, so, and if you, you could still do all your GPP stuff while, because cash games give you a 50% chance to win. Remember that you only get 15 to 20% chance to win in GPP. And those wins when you finish between 10 and 15 or 10 and 20% in the field, top 20%, you're winning minimal cash. You're not even doubling up your money in a lot of these situations in GPPs, right? You're not even doubling it. So you really have to be a top 5%, top 8% to get any kind of significant return on your investment. And that, I mean, fuck, when that's going to happen, you don't know. But so I, I get it. If you've been struggling, I get it. But if that bottom line is important to you and then you, you need to supplement your GPP play with cash that will limit the losses that will help you double up. It'll help you feel better. It'll help your overall bankroll until they smash. 
and Siege and Ricky smash every season. NBA, MLB, NFL, they do it in every sport. But again, prolonged losses as a GPP-only player, there's no way of getting around it. If there was, we'd all do it. Promise you that. Uh, appreciate that question, though. Um, let's see. Are you still holding the Bitcoin that you brought up at the, at the top of 2018, or did you have weak hands? I'm still holding. I don't own a lot, but I own a little bit, and it's something that never factors into my bottom line. My, it's a funny, a funny question to get right now because I – my wife had no idea. Like my wife has never known what the fuck Bitcoin or any of that shit is. And I showed her recent, I don't know, recently, probably six, eight months ago before the football season. And she's like, what the fuck? Cause we're going through our finances, doing some estate planning stuff. And she's like, what the fuck? I'm like, eh, that's yeah, it's fucking a lot of money right now. But I, I go she's like, well, can you sell it? And I'm like, yeah, you can, but I, it's, I put nothing into it. So I probably should sell it. But yeah, I'm going to hold because I don't, it's either going to go to the moon or it's not. Do I feel there is a chance it topped out? Yes, but that's it. I'm holding. Uh, thank you. Atomogy could put differences you guys have and not uh, do an old school Friday night podcast. Oh, that'd be interesting. Uh, Tommy and I have talked uh, recently as a matter of fact, and man, he's getting shit straight and settled out. I love to hear it. You know, that's something about me, at least as a person is that my friends are important to me. And I've had, there's a re I've had the same friendships for 30 years, you know, um, I believe long-term relationship. I've been with my wife, 27 years married for 21. You know, that's important to me. I don't really get, I don't really let people close to me who I don't care about and want to see do well. So I'm, I'm happy with Tommy. We and I are on a great in a great spot. Now we weren't during the political stuff and he knows where I stand and I know where he stands. And, um, you know, during that stretch, it was not good, but, um, I'll say this, <laughs> I know you fuckers send Tommy clips of things I say on the podcast. And then, cause Tommy brought them up to me sometimes and, uh, you know, and it hurt his feelings and, um, you know, I apologize for that. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I want to be honest and truthful, but I think there's a, there's a perspective that Tommy didn't comprehend either of where I come from. Right. And, and where, you know, what I stood for and what I had to go through either. So, you know, I, we talked our things out and uh, yeah, as far as doing like a show or so, I'm sure we'll be some point we'll be doing shows, not regularly or anything. I don't know. I don't know. Yes. Very open to it. Very open to it. Um, absolutely. Is being a fantasy football analyst, if, if being a fantasy football analyst wasn't it, what other career move would you make? Also, what pet peeve do you have regarding questions you get asked on Twitter? Oh, pet peeve I have is asking multiple people. I don't, I'll never answer your question on Twitter if you have like other analysts there. Now, if it's Ray Flowers and Ted and Ricky and CJ, yeah, yeah, yeah. All our guys, Tyler and Armando, fine. But, you know, I, I understand why you would ask John Hansen or Jeff Radcliffe or Howard Bender or Bob Harris. I totally get that. I told from your perspective, but I'm not going to answer that question. Um, am I childish in that? Maybe, maybe. But, you know, I feel like if you want my opinion, ask my opinion. 
right? I, I, you know, and I'll happily give you my opinion. If you're just crowdsourcing or whatever, I don't really want to be. It's um, it's the fantasy pros thing. I'm not giving my rankings and projections away. Oh, you're afraid. I'm afraid. No, did it one year, finished very high in that, you know, 12 years ago, but I don't believe in their business model, taking other people's content, using it, uh, and then charging for it. I just don't believe in it. They're welcome to do it. People sign waivers to do it. Fine. I don't need a badge. Again, overconfidence, cockiness, maybe. I don't need a badge to tell me I'm good at this. And I don't need, you know, 15 other analysts giving my opinion on what you should do in a trade or something like that. Uh, being an analyst, what other career move would I do? Um, well, I was in tech before, believe it or not. I'm terrible at tech now. I, uh, I was, I had department of defense clearance post nine 11, everybody like you don't realize um, what I was doing right now. What I, what would I do? Um, man, I, I sports are my life sports investments would be really what I'm into. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of some, I mean, broadcasting is what I love. I love this podcast. I love my serious XM show. That's what I love. I love to do it. That's what I want to do. So even like if I stopped writing and believe me, it was a dream of like, Oh, I'll just stop writing or stop doing DFS or something or whatever. Like, you know, we just, be, I always get like that during football season because of the workload. But I would never stop broadcast. I love this. This is my favorite thing. Would you trade? Uh, would you trade for Herbert? My quarterback is Cousins. I would trade Walker and Walker. Who the fuck is Walker and Myers for Herbert and Hawkinson? Walker. Why the fuck am I blanking on Walker? Who the fuck is? I keep thinking Javon Walker. Kind of thinking he means Waller. Right? Or am I am I nuts? What what walker am I missing? Um yeah, dude, you have to get got, oh another pet peeve of mine when you only use first names <laughs> or last names. Uh that's another problem. Um, I would trade for Herbert. Justin Herbert's the best quarterback in football. I have a sound at Sirius X and Fantasy. Um, why? I just think he is. He's the best quarterback right now in football. Who are some running back buys for the second half of the season? Uh, whether it be schedule or better. Oh, good. Upcoming schedule, the best uh, running backs, Daryl Henderson or Sony Michelle. The Rams have the best schedule week six through 10 for running backs. The Colts, guy like Jonathan Taylor, uh, Joe Mixon, Bengals have the third best. Eagles have the fourth best. So a uh, Miles Sanders, if you can get Miles Sanders for like super low and he's like your running back four, but with upside, fuck it, do it. Um, Bill Steelers. You know, Zach Moss, solid. Najee Harris, you already know. Miles Gaskin, Miami Dolphins have a nice schedule, but they don't, he doesn't run the ball. So maybe Malcolm Brown for him. Um, what else? Um, stop dissing me. I'm a stand up guy. I always go hard for my team. You know, with the Boner McGee others. <laughs> That's a good one. Claude Stefan, man. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, Boner McGee, a guy I created on the Sirius XM show, how to navigate DFS a when a chalk hits and B during bye weeks. Well, bye weeks make it easier for our competitors. That's one of the things I pride myself on King David. Who's asking this question via Twitter. Um, bye weeks. Now we only have 10 games in the main slate. And so the reason I get punchy during the football season and always dream of retirement is that 
it's such a heavy workload because I, the process is always the same. I go all the way in my research, watching every game, rewatching every game, every data point, every, everything you could do. And when there are more games, it's more work. So less games, less work. You would think, okay, that's good, but no, because I know our competitors don't put in all that work. They rule things out. They let Las Vegas tell them. And when there's less games and there's three less games on the main slate now than there was a week ago, two weeks ago, I should say, ah, that's shit. So that helps them out. Um, So when the chalk hits, you need to know, you you know, in cat, it's okay when the chalk hits, you know, chalk hits, it's fine. It's a, it's a free square. When the chalk hits You're the key is to be different somewhere else. And, you know, at this stage of DFS, a lot of people have the, the same thoughts. This is my problem with DraftKings. DraftKings pricing forces everybody. There's no in-between. You have to have the same lineup, all right? The same build. If you pay up for the tight end or pay up for a quarterback, you're paying down. You need the value receiver running back. And the only decent value receivers or running backs are the same guys, so they're hugely owned. So – how do you get different? It sucks like that on FanDuel. It's a lot better because the pricing is looser. It allows you to do a lot of different things. You could take, you could glide with the chalk, let one or two chalk players hit. Maybe, you know, if a position is volatile, like going into this week, as I stand right now, quarterback is volatile. Shit is very shitty and it's a mess. So you might have to pay up and use the chalk at quarterback this week in DFS. Fine, but how do you then, if you have to pay up, that means you're getting value guys at other positions. Well, look for somebody who's in just as good a spot, but is going to be less owned, a little contrarian play. And you can afford to do that on FanDuel, SuperDraft, Yahoo. Can't do it on DraftKings, unfortunately. Um, do you have a process for identifying potential mistakes made in the preseason? When they cut players, kind of what they were just, oh, this, Josh is asking the question I answered before. Sonny Michelle, Mike Davis, very well. Uh, best concert I ever attended, and was it with Ted Schuster? No. I don't know if Ted and I ever went. To, oh, yeah, we did go to a concert. Oh, you want to hear a fucking crazy story? We went to, Ted and I went to a concert. I'll call it my favorite concert. It was George Clinton. It was a fantasy football convention back in like 2009, 2010. And you know, we were just, just starting to get our names in the industry and all that. So yeah, Ted came out and I was working for a site. I think I was with alarm at that point, but we hung out with some guys at my former place. I won't, they, they're under, they went under now, but um, anyway, I don't like that fucker. So I'm not going to talk about him, but uh, the uh, um, George Clinton concert and um, Oh, George Clinton. And I think it was Snoop Dogg too. And uh, that was the, uh, it was 2010 because it was Ashton Kutcher when he was married to Demi Moore, they were both out there and they were on stage and everything. Well, I don't know what happened. I I was partying with some Rastafarians. Like, I think they were, they were either in or traveling with the George Clinton people who warmed up for Snoop Dogg and the P-Funk parliament Funkadelic. And I was, I was just hanging out and I drank some stuff. I'm pretty sure it was laced with LSD or something. So I hallucinated and I don't know what the hell happened, but all of a sudden I wasn't like, I was walking through the swimming pool in full clothes. 
And dude, the people I was with came in and jumped in, even Ted jumped in the water to come get me out and whatever. And I, I didn't know what was happening. And it was, a, I was fucking, I was a disaster. And then I threw up in a, uh, in a, I think it was a garbage, I think it was a garbage can. It was right outside. Then it was called the Imperial Palace. Cause I think this was at the, uh, um, the concert was in that area by Harris in Vegas. So yeah, that I'll say that's the best concert I've ever been to. I'd rather try to open field tackle Derrick Henry. No, or try to catch a slant over the middle on Ray Lewis. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I'd rather try to tackle Henry. Yeah. Yeah. I pushed out of the way versus like Ray Lewis coming. Oh, destroy. Um, uh, John Sabo asks at the beginning of each second hour of the serious XM show, tell me where the freaks at song plays. Do you do the humming bit? into the mic or is it a recording every time of the second hour? Weird question, but always keep me wondering. I sing it live every single time. The fast, the interesting thing is there, it's always off timing. And I think this is something people don't realize behind the scenes at Sirius XM is that ever since they stopped going to studio, like it's, it's that show is run through like a board that's run through a studio. The producers are like at their homes and they are routing it through a studio and mine goes through Los Angeles and then back and out. It's a complicated process, but there's massive timing differences. And if you, like if one of you who weren't used to it or just came and sat down on the seat and the producers are giving you cues and things are happening and time, you got to get out by this hour, the commercials are kicking you here if you don't know the timing, it's fucking impossible. So like I try to keep up with it and, and, but I'm way off because what I'm hearing in my ear is not coming. And what I'm saying is not coming through for like a, almost a two and a half second delay. So it's messed up. Um, Gruden. Yeah. I talked about Gruden already. Would you want your son to choose the same career as you? Oh, good question. Matty D just had this talk with my father a while back, how he felt, when I was growing up, it was a great discussion. Yeah, great. I think appreciate that. That's a good one. I I don't want to push my kids into anything, anything that they don't want to do. Um, my son is way into sports, so doing this career would probably make a lot of sense for him. I mean, he he is he won his fantasy basketball championship. He won his fantasy baseball championship this past year, and he is going for his fantasy football championship this year to make the trifecta. Um, so kids got a knack for it. He's got it. So uh, when it comes to the, the kids, I believe that everybody has a talent. Remember I talked about this earlier. It's really my belief. And I think a job, my job as a parent is to help and promote and nurture. And then sometimes push my kids into their talents doing when you do what you want to do. Like on a Sunday, I work 20 plus hours in a day. Okay. And to do that, you have to love what you're doing. And I've dug ditches. I've done, uh, I worked at a, a contracting company before a plumbing company before I, I, you know, worked, I was a laborer. I've done sales. I've, I've done different jobs, retail. I fucking hated those. I, I worked in tech. I, I didn't like it. So I couldn't work 20 hours. Um, if you're doing what you want to be doing for a living, you would work 20 hours a day and not feel like anything. So to me, that's the most important thing. I want my, I believe in happiness. 
I believe in being happy and, um, it took me a long time to, to realize that meaning of life. Well, it's happiness, uh, you know, whatever happy with your, if you're happy with who you are, if you're happy with what you do for a living, you're going to be a better person. You're going to make people around you happier. They're going to like you more. It's, it's an atmosphere thing, you know? So, um, yeah, I would want him to do this career, even though it's tough to deal with, the negativity. I, I went through a problem this past weekend where I, I got really angry and I got angry with some of our subscribers. Um, very angry. I didn't, I don't like rooting against people, even people you don't like. And if you do it secretly, you know, I hope that it was fine, but too many people try to tear others down as a way to build themselves up. Like they want to remove other people from the job. Like I'm sure there's people there's, thousands of people want me to get fired from Sirius XM because they think, Oh, I'll just take his job. I want his job. I'll just take his job. You know, that's what they want. Well, if I take it away from him. I'm one closer to that spot. I, I know that's the way people work. It's a pathetic way to work. It's a pathetic way to live. So I don't want that. And I get thousands like, and we're what's going on at, at elite right now, especially um, to be very candid with people is that, you know, I'm the, I'm the big face of the company at this stage. And um, remember, I was this way at Fantasy Alarm too. And I chose to come here because I liked having a lot of people. Not that I didn't, I, you know, your ego wants you to be the face and you want it to be the main guy or whatever, whatever it is. And I, I just don't, I don't see myself like that. Others see me as that, which is, I don't know, right, wrong, or indifferent. But what I'm trying to say is that I get, when things all go right, I get 100% of the credit. When things go wrong, I get 100% of the blame. The way Jeff Manns, the human, the person, I don't do well with compliments as much as I take on the negatives. It's just how I'm built for whatever reason. Maybe it's an insecurity. Maybe it's, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But thus, when things go wrong, or I, those angry messages, notes, all the negative, I get, I get, I counted over last weekend, I got, I think there was like 7,000 tweets or whatever overall that I got in a day, replies to my tweets, I should say. I counted personally, this is how fucked up my head is. I counted over 400 that were negative, that blasted me. And just think about that for a minute. Think about what that does to you and what that makes you feel like. And then you start thinking like, is this worth it? You know, and, and I, I got into the chat room, our discord, I should say over at elite. And, I'm, and now I heard people rooting against, I better not fucking hear that they won this week. I better not fucking hear they won. And it's like, yeah, fuck you, man. No, I'm proud of our people that win. I'm proud of anybody that wins. I want everybody. I do. I, man, my mortal enemies, Whoever they may be, I hope they're happy in their life. Like, go ahead. Everybody deserves that. Be happy. It doesn't take away from me. It doesn't hurt me. It doesn't, you know, that's not how it's supposed to be. Right? So don't root against people. And um, so that negativity, I wouldn't wish that for my son. I don't want him to be, um, I do not want him to uh, go through that and the negativity and to, take it hopefully he's built better than me he's a sweet kid that you know loves that my daughters aren't into sports or whatever so um 
you know, I won't have that problem, but my son may, you may see him sitting in the, this chair one day. I would not doubt it at all. I really wouldn't, but we shall see. So that's, uh, um, that is that, um, what else? Uh, they mentioned the, uh, uh, let's see if I lost my place all of a sudden, when do you move up from $25 hundred man to higher stakes contest? Well, $25, if there's a cash game, Jonathan Karate, <laughs> Johnny Karate, what a great name. Uh, you never move up. You never move up. Just keep slamming them. Just keep fucking hitting it. Just keep doing it. Never. If you're talking about GPPs, uh, when your bankroll could suffice it, when you could GPP, if you could lose, and I mean wipeout, zero return on investment. If you could do that 80% of the time and be fine and it not affect you, then I think you're in good shape. I think you're, you know, then, then you're a real GPP player. If you lose three, four weeks in a row, right. And, well, yeah, if you lose three weeks in a row, four weeks in a row, and you start freaking out, you're not a GPP player. You know, I think I'm uh, Tom Cruise, you know, I, I think I'm a, a beautiful looking specimen of a man, but that doesn't make it true. Remember? So uh, there you go. All right. I guess I, I got to move on. A um, lot of good questions here today. Real quick. We'll go through some starts and sits for week number six in fantasy football. Remember all the rankings found at fantasyguru.com. starting burrow, starting Kirk cousins, starting Daryl Williams, starting miles Gaskin. Now I think that game is going to be closer than what Vegas is saying. And that what most people think Jacksonville's fucking terrible, but, to me, they're not that much worse than Miami. Miami's not good. So if Miami is in a hurry up, in a higher scoring or a hurry up phase, or they're trailing, that's positive for Miles Gaskin. If they are going to be up, if you think Miami's going to run away with the game, then it's Malcolm Brown better than Miles Gaskin. Thus, you would sit Gaskin. I have Gaskin as a start. Zach Moss is a start on this week. Ramondre Stevenson, I have him over Damian Harris this week because not just because of the injury, but also I think that Stevenson takes this job. Harris has been a wreck the last three weeks and the fumble that almost lost them the game against the Texans. Stevenson was in at the end. Stevenson got the, the touchdown run and then it was called back for an illegal procedure or legal uh, motion penalty. And they ended up kicking a field goal, still won the game, but I think Stevenson's – I don't want to start either of them. Let me be clear. But he is over Harris. Odell Beckham, going to start him. Jarvis Landry on his way back. But uh, against Arizona, going to need to score a little bit. And uh, if you have three better receivers than Odell Beckham, God bless you. But my, my thought is you probably don't. Marvin Jones, I'm starting. LaVisca Chenault, I'm starting. Kadarius Toney, I'm starting. Ricky Seals Jones, Dawson Knox, both top 12 tight ends for me for week six. Players that I would bench, again, these are all ideal situations, folks. So Sam Darnold, Trevor Lawrence, I'm going to bench both of these guys uh, despite some good weeks and a lot of rushing touchdowns from both of them. I can't rely on either one. Latavius Murray, I'm benching. Miles Sanders, I'm benching. Devontae Booker, you went and picked him up. God bless you, but I'm uh, I'm out. I'm not starting anybody. That Giants team is a disaster. Although, as of this recording, there's some hope, optimism that uh, um, Daniel Jones may play. So, 
that's a uh, that's a positive thing for Booker. But I'm not. I don't want to start that guy. Good lord, if I start that guy, you're in a lot of trouble. If you're starting Devontae Booker, Allen Robinson, unfortunately, um, his time in the starting lineup has come to an end. Too tough. And against Green Bay, it may be a pass heavy syst- or a, a script for him, but I don't like it. I just can't go much longer with him now. Know your options before you sit Allen Robinson, but he's outside the top 36. Jalen Rieger, Robbie Anderson, Cameron Brake, Robert Tunyon. Tunyon's done jack all, man, nothing. So I'm benching all of those. Streamers for week number six, if you needed a spot start, Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. Las Vegas Raiders are a disaster. You know, the firing of John Gruden, this team is going to be sunk into the earth's credit. They're going to be three and 14 quite possibly this year. I'm sure they'll win another game or two, but it's not going to be pretty. So Bridgewater, not a, not a bad sneaky one. And then, you know, Geno Smith, isn't the worst, isn't the worst against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh secondary sucks. It's a, what we call a pass funnel defense where you can't run on the Steelers very well. Seattle hasn't been able to run. So you're going to get a lot of volume out of Geno Smith. I wouldn't love it, but it's a streamer for the week. Carson Wentz, the best streamer if he's available against Houston. Um, at the tight end position, CJ Uzoma against uh, the Detroit Lions. Ricky Seals-Jones, I've met him several times against Kansas City. Kansas City can't cover anybody right now. And Seals-Jones is the target magnet. It's him and Terry McLaurin. That's it. Dan Arnold, I think you can probably get away one more week. That's corners. The outside coverage of the Miami Dolphins, pretty good. You start looking inside and whether it's you know Chenault who should be lined up inside more or maybe Dan Arnold those are the ways to attack so I think he's a decent streamer for the week Cowboys defense against the Patriots Colts defense obviously against the Texans Bengals defense against the Lions a couple of uh, decent streamers for you here this week uh, let's get into the the bets the bet angle of it our um, bet of the week this week, I'm going to stick with that, my Denver, that minus three only, really. You're only going to give me three for the Broncos against the Raiders? Get the fuck out of here. Crazy. This, this is a classic. By the time we get to Saturday or Sunday, this is going to be five and a half, six points maybe. Like, this is a bad line right now. And it's as if, like, I don't know, odds makers maybe haven't reacted as well to – the John Gruden news, but and not realizing what's going on. But uh, Broncos minus three, that's my best bet of the week. The survivor bet, I, I'll tell you what, there's two teams that are obvious, pretty obvious, and that's the Rams against the Giants, even though Daniel Jones may play, but no Saquon Barkley, no Kenny Galladay, still, it's still the Giants. Rams should win that game. Colts should win that game against Houston. We pick on Houston all the time. I'll tell you what. I like the Colts more. This is the first time all year that I'm actually going to go. If it was just all level playing field, I would go. I like the Rams more likely that they're going to beat the Giants than even the Colts beat the uh, um, the Colts beat the Texans. Uh, Texans have been playing competitive games. I don't doubt that they, that will happen this time around as well. But here, ultimately, for the Rams, 
they have the giant or uh, the Rams with the Giants. They have the Lions, and then they have the Texans coming up the next two weeks. Now, kind of want to use them then, don't you? You know, I mean, that, those are the games that I would rather have. And even furthermore, the Rams have the Jaguars late in the season and the Vikings late in the season. You know, there's some real absolutes for that Rams team later on. Whereas the Colts, um, you know, they, they got the Titans and 49ers. They do have the Jets. They do have the Jaguars, of course, divisional play. And they play the Texans later on uh, in the season as well uh, in Houston. But being at home, tough, you know, a short week for the Colts. But they played a hell of a game. Should have won. If they had any kind of kicker, they would have won against the Baltimore Ravens, a much better team. And this is a severe, severe downgrade in, uh, in opposition for the Colts. So I'm going to go with the, uh, the Indianapolis Colts as my survivor team. Remember, all of my bets, all of my survivor picks, all of it is found exclusively at elitesportsbetting.com. Get over there. You could, uh, if you want to, if you're a fancy guru, elite fancy subscriber, if you want to test it out, wheeling and dealing at this point in the season, everybody, they, they really are. And, um, lower the prices. And if you're already a subscriber elsewhere to say, Hey, I want to add betting or I want to add DFS or even the seasonal seasonal is a lot of tools. Fancy guru is nothing. It's like 20 bucks for us a year. Just for the recap articles, the, the game script articles alone, matchup articles. It's pretty, uh, pretty fantastic. So, you know, get over there and, uh, and get it. Just write us uh, an email. Support at elitefantasy.com. That's the place. Uh, that's the place to go. So there we go. All righty then. Um, survivor pick, best bet, upset of the week. Huh. Several upset candidates this week. But I'll tell you, the one that stands out to me is the Patriots at home against Dallas. Four point spread, four and a half in some books. Are we really that sure on the Cowboys? What are you? What are we that sure on the Cowboys about? The offense, okay, that that makes sense. Still without Leo Collins, they've scored the second most points in the NFL. Okay, they've also given up the seventh most total yards in the National Football League. They have also given up the second most passing yards in the NFL. Um, so that's Cowboys have really it's the Trevon Diggs turnovers, the, the interceptions. They lead the league in interceptions, they lead the league in turnovers uh, on defense because of Trevon Diggs. He's playing fantastic. Well, Belichick knows you're not gonna fucking target Trevon Diggs. You're gonna go against Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis. So, you know, Mike McCarthy versus Bill Belichick. Uh if you're going to pick an upset, I think Patriots at home over the Dallas Cowboys makes the most amount of sense. So there you go. All right, folks, there's several questions, a bunch of uh, questions still left on the ask commands, anything. I'll try to do that on the serious section. I'm sure maybe I'll bring this in to um, maybe I'll bring this into the uh, um, next week's show as well here, but I, I understand all the analytics tell me if I, I could talk for two hours on this, but, 
Most of you don't want to hear two hour podcasts. And I totally understand that. I'm at an hour 20 right now. Got to wrap this puppy up again. Head out fantasyguru.com, elitefantasy.com, elitesportsbetting.com. Follow me, Jeff Vans, at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Vans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. And I just posted a brand new TikTok. I haven't been on TikTok in a while. We'll uh, go check out my week six bye week strategies and fill in players, streamer players, I should say, on that. It's at, actually at SiriusXM on uh, the TikTok as well. The TikTok. Look at me looking so fucking old. That's going to do it. Episode 87 in the books, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for the positive feedback and negative feedback. Uh, it's all great. Hopefully you guys got something out of this episode. Um, you know, very important to get some of these out there where I could speak my mind and we could have honest and truthful conversations. Always looking for follow-up conversations. I don't want arguments. I'll be honest with you. If you disagree, it's fine. You can disagree. You may have disagreed with some or all the things that you heard on today's episode. And it's perfectly all right. Remember why? Because it was one man's opinion. See you next time, everybody. Deuces!